Hi, everyone. Welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I'm your host, Irene Weinberg. And today, I'm going to stray from interviewing grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and people who have inspiring stories to share by being interviewed myself. I've been asked many times to share on this podcast details of my own profound spiritual awakening that happened when my husband Saul died next to me in a tragic car accident. So I have enlisted the aid of Carolyn Pars, my dear friend, who at one time was my sister-in-law, to keep me focused by asking me questions about my experience and adding some comments of her own. Carolyn is speaking to us from Seattle, Washington, and I'm here in West Orange, New Jersey. I'm proud to let you know that Carolyn Pars is a highly effective messaging strategist and business coach. She knows that many healing and wellness practitioners are strong on mission and purpose, but struggle with messaging and marketing. At her company, Mind Over Markets, she'll help clarify your message so you attract more clients and have an impact beyond what you thought was possible. Her Build and Scale a Sustainable Business Coaching Program starts in January, and it is designed to do just that. To learn more, be sure to go to mindovermarkets.com. And on a personal note, I want to share with you that I lovingly called Carolyn my witness and historian because she was an intrinsic part of my life when I experienced my life-changing spiritual awakening. So here we go, Carolyn. Let's begin. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. What an honor this is. And thanks for the plug, <laughs> Irene. My pleasure. Oh, this is going to be a wonderful journey. I'm so happy that I get to do this with you. And your listeners who've been listening to you for years now are going to see the res- the the impetus for this podcast and all the other blessings that you bring to the planet. So let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, yeah. go girl. You got it. So, so you know, I want to talk. I want to start with like life before the accident, right? Because I also set up just like so your listeners understand like who was Irene Weinberg? What was life like um, before that auspicious day? Well, I was a pretty traditional girl, as you'll remember, Carolyn. I'm sure. I went to the grave, I put a stone on the grave, and I, was anyone there? Did anyone listen? I didn't really believe in anything spiritual. I was traditional. My husband and I were married about 18 years. We were a second marriage. We were very, very in love. And we definitely thought that all spirituality was complete hooey. And as you know, I'll second that. I think <laughs> I was one of those people That's you pointed right. at. We didn't have much of a relationship with you because you were more spiritual, and we thought she she crazy. You know, <laughs> we, we didn't we didn't dig that at all. Boy, oh boy, did I get a surprise! <laughs> I know. Every time I brought that up with you, kind of sometimes we'd have lunch together, right? We both, our husbands were brothers and Irene and I were you know sister-in-law I now call her my sister-in-love because I'm not married anymore to her her, um, to 
her, my her. ex-husband. <laughs> but I figured I don't have to divorce Irene, do I? Right. <laughs> no. Well, I tell people Carolyn um, divorced her husband, but she she. Carolyn divorced my brother-in-law, but she kept me. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. So, you know, so that, I think that's an accurate description. I I just remember you always got your nails done, right? Your nails always look great. And you always had sequence outfits. (laughs) But, and you, so that you had a life with Saul and, you know, Saul was a successful builder and you, you, you were his wife and, you know, you kept everything beautiful and pretty. Your house was immaculate. and Always. Yeah, because we had an image to maintain. Because when he was wooing investors or whatever he was doing, it was important. I was a very simple girl when we got married. I wasn't spoiled at all. But when I married Saul, all of a sudden, I was pretty wearing pretty jewelry and I was wearing beautiful clothes and we were going out with people. And I adopted. I was traditional in my in my behaviors and beliefs, but I adopted that lifestyle. Yes. And I met you that way, right? Yes. That's how I knew you that way. So, um, and, you know, for, for a number of years, right? Uh, I don't even know, maybe it was like 10 years and I just knew you that way. And, and our, even though we were sort of friend, not really friends, we were like related because of the, of the, um, of the brothers. And um, then, I, then, then it happened. Then it happened. Then one December day, a incredible life shift happened. Tell, tell, why don't you tell your listeners about that that day? Okay, I take a deep breath and I and I launch into it. Uh, Saul and I were married just about eighteen years, and one day I was washing dishes at my kitchen sink while Saul was watching a Jets game on TV. Where, as you could tell to listen to me, everyone knows I'm, I'm a Joycey girl. And uh, I suddenly got a very strong thought that was not my thought that came into my head that said, Saul has to go. Many lessons will be learned from his death. And I'm kind of stepped back in my kitchen and I thought, this is crazy. And I filled a glass of water. I brought it over to Saul. I kissed the top of his head while he was watching the football game. And I put that message completely out of my head. I said, this is, I never forgot it, but I discounted it. I said, this is crazy. What is this? And I, it wasn't like a thought you were thinking. It was just like a message you received and like, like what the hell was that? that. I mean, it came through like it was my own thought, but it wasn't my thought. Yeah. Yeah. So um, two months later, we were big skiers, and we had a ski house in the, in, the Catskills, in the Catskills off the New York State Thruway. And two months later, we were at our ski house, and we had a great weekend, and we did our thing and the, all that jazz, and we get into our car, and I said to Saul, I'll never forget it. I said to him at the Saul time, I said, Saul, you've had some tough times in business. You've been tired. You want me to drive home? And he said, no, I'll drive home. I'm fine. So we get in the car mm. and we start driving down the New York State Thruway. We were on the Thruway for about an hour and a half. And I suddenly felt the car go into a huge swerve. And as it did, I looked over at Saul and I saw that he was sound asleep at the wheel. Wow. We were going 72 miles an hour, Carolyn. 
And I looked over and I go, Saul. And he woke up. He kind of saw what was happening. And he went to pull the car out of the swerve. But instead of riding itself, we started lifting off like I was in a gigantic roller coaster. I mean, like, just took off into the air. And as we took off, I got a second message. And it said, he's not going to make it. You are. Wow. I mean, I was. This is like midair. You're you're tumbling, right? As I'm starting. I haven't made my first tumble. It was like just, we just took off to go to the first flip. And I get, he's not going to make it. You are. Mm. Now I, I'm, I'm petite. So I pull myself all into myself, lower my head, pull my knees into my chest. And we begin what felt like a roller coaster. And I was conscious and aware of everything. And each time we lifted way up in the air, the car would bounce really hard on its right side and lift back up into the air. This happened four times. Wow. Until we slid into a ravine on the side of the road. And it was really funny because I noticed many years, you know, months later when I went back to the scene that there was a guardrail before the space where we flipped and after. But that one space, there was no guardrail. And we went right through that space. There's a guardrail now there now, but there wasn't at that Ah. time. And we flipped right down and we're upside down and I'm thinking to myself um holy moly I got told Saul's gonna go and I look over at him and I said Saulie are you okay and I see that he's gone I am looking at the shell of my husband now, this is a lot to process, Carolyn, but I've been, I, at first I got told he's got to go. Now I told, I'm told he's not going to make it. You are. And now I see, holy moly, it's true. He's, he's completely gone. And just as I'm starting to process that, and I'm really not aware, I had three major operations after the accident. I'm really not aware that I'm bleeding to death from an artery in the bottom of my foot and all this jazz. Mm. I mean, it's happening so fast. I see a helicopter land in front of me. Turns out I found out we held up traffic on the thruway for two and a half hours uh, that day. A helicopter lands in front of me and I saw these EMTs jumping out of the helicopter and running over to my car. And a whole, like three guys, like pulled and pushed and all and turned my car over. And as we righted ourselves, the car bounced a little bit as we were righted on the road. One of the EMTs and my car was, I have to tell you, shattered. There were pieces on the road six months later still. Really? I mean, my window was shut. The car was beyond totaled. And this EMT reached into my shattered window undid my seatbelt, took me by the shoulders, I guess it's something they're taught, turned me around and started to pull me by my shoulders out of the window of my car. And as I was sliding through the window of my car, an unemotional, authoritative sounding male voice boomed into my head and gave me like a heavenly directive. And it said 
be loving and kind to everyone as they laid me on the side of the road. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that would tend to change your cells as they're multiplying, don't you think? It's amazing that in that state, you were receiving that you were like, probably like this open space and you were all that was going on and you're receiving that incredible message. Yeah, I mean, it was like unbelievable. And I have to say, and I'll talk about this later on in my story, but on the earthbound plane, aside from be loving and kind to everyone coming through my head, I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to get through this somehow because I have to teach my son who Saul was buried on his 21st birthday. I have to teach my son that you can get hit by a grenade in life and come through it to the other end. This to me was so amazing. I thought this within like the first few minutes of the accident and having gotten this spiritual directive. Now, now I'm on the side of the road and I'm telling, uh, they're putting a tourniquet. The guy said, we've got quite a little, uh, quite a bit of bleeding coming out of your foot. Uh, we're putting a tourniquet on. And I, and instead of screaming for myself, instead of carrying on, I started saying, be loving and kind. Everyone was, is still, was in my head. I was like, what's your name? Thank you for coming out. I know it's the weekend before Christmas. Thank you so much for being so good to me, for loading me in the helicopter. I mean, I was not doing the typical, oh my God, my husband's dead and what am I going to do? I got in that moment because I got the directive that even though I hadn't believed in it before, Saul must be nearby. We go on. There's something to this. Something's up. I don't know what it is. But somebody pretty powerful just told me to be loving and kind to everyone. So here I go. I mean, that was that was it, it, it was a directive and I was not going to ignore that. Well, it, it, it felt like, you know, it's, it wasn't even like a cognitive thing, like, oh, I need to be loving kind. It totally immersed inside every one of your cells because when the next day, when we, we heard about it that night and we were all obviously shocked and, and saddened and we, and I came to the hospital. Now we're on the outs, right? We were like not because the brothers weren't talking to each other. I walk in to your hospital bed and there are people in the room. You look at me and with the most illuminated face and joy on your, you said, hello, you graced me and said, come in, Carolyn. I was like, it it blew me away. It blew my circuits because I, I was like, this does not make sense. She just lost the love of her life. She, she was in this car accident. She uh, died herself. And you were like spiritually reborn. I mean, that's what real spiritual rebirth is because you were at this witnessing. So that phrase, be loving and kind to everyone, is the, was the result of that? I mean, like what happened there? I have to tell you that not only just to back up a minute, but not only was I so different when I greeted you, but in the actual hospital, instead of screaming for myself, they brought me in on the gurney. 
they laid me down. Uh, I said to each nurse, what's your name? Thank you so much for, I swear to God, I was starting, I, 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 it was unbelievable. What's your name? Thank you for being here. Thank you for helping me out. Um, and they started taking off my jewelry. And I said, can I please just hold on to my wedding band, please? And the doctor came over to me and he said, let, let her keep her wedding band on. And the one, and the doctor mm -hmm. came over and he took my hand and he said, I have to tell you that your husband is gone. And I said, doc, I know. And I am the luckiest woman in the world because I have been blessed with a wonderful marriage and a good man. And however many years I had with him, I am so fortunate. And I got a call from mm. his assistant three months after the operation with all they did with me. And she said, I have to tell you, you changed lives in the emergency room wow. that night. We had never seen anyone. I mean, we see tragedies on the throughway all the time. No one ever reacted the way you did to everyone who came near you. And I said, Trish, I had a spiritual awakening a profound spiritual awakening that changed the way I see everything in life. Right. It really like was amazing. Yeah. Was amazing. I, I was a witness to that. Right. I mean, I, I was a witness to that and that when I, after that encounter with you, Irene is when I fell in love with you. I, I, I mean, love the kind of expanded love. And right. I, and we have, we, you're one of my closest friends right. ever since. Right. And, and it was just, I was so in awe of how, a, how a person could be like that after what just happened to her. And I, it didn't make sense. Like, well, it just didn't make sense because I know that if it was my, I thought I, I would never be like that. I probably would have fallen apart and you were just well, like you didn't get, a Buddha. If you, didn't, if you didn't get, if you got that message, it might've changed things for you too. Yeah. You know, but, but Carolyn, I, you know, it was, well, first of all, one of the reasons we got closer is because you were one of the few people I could talk to about this because it was 1997 when the accident happened and it was still foo-foo, woo-woo, which is where I had been before the accident. This is baloney. I mean, you were ahead of your time. So now I, when um, this whole other, these many other things happened after the accident to me that started me on my path, the, one of the few people I could talk with was you and it was crazy, it, crazy it, carolyn <laughs> you were no longer crazy you were the one that wasn't crazy <laughs> so so life after the accident right so this this amazing ex tragic and amazing experience happens to you and then you have to live your life now right. it's like before and after and the after. accident so now i'm in grieving what was life hell? like that I'm in grieving hell, even though I got be loving and kind to everyone. I'm on the floor crying my eyes out. I'm starting to, yeah. you know, kick. Well, I couldn't kick my feet because I was in a wheelchair with with crutches. But I'm like, I'm I, I am upset. And not only that, but Saul never planned to die that night. So, uh, you know, heaven obviously knew something was up. So mm. uh, there were a lot of loose ends with his estate. There were a lot of problems with finances. There were a lot of problems with the kids that I'm not going to go into today, but there were all kinds of things going on. I spent 
almost every day crying my eyes out, really upset, trying to grapple with things. But I also knew something was up and I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And that was kind of in the back of my mind all the time. I had no idea. But so I'm presented with, I mean, we had to go choose his coffin. We had to do all of that. We had to get through the funeral, which you remember the whole thing. And yeah. I, and, and now, now what? So about, um, I had just gotten out of my wheelchair about six weeks after the accident. And I got a call from my dry cleaner of all people. Well, if anyone knows me, you know, I'm very friendly. I'm very open. <laughs> And I welcome, this was even before, before they'll be loving and kind. I was a very friendly, open person. So my dry cleaner called me and he said, you know, Irene, you seem like a very open-minded person. And I want to tell you something that I don't usually tell people. I said, okay. And he said, um, my son died of a drug overdose eight years ago. He said, and my wife and I were inconsolable. We went to grief counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists and no one could help us. He said, then someone told us that the soul goes on to the other side and there are special people called mediums who can communicate with the soul on the other side. He said, and we are going to be going to a little, what they call a gallery, which is when a group of people get together to hear from deceased loved ones. We're going to be going to something like that in about two weeks. And if you're open, wow, I would like to take you. So I was a nervous wreck. I didn't know what to expect. I quickly read a book that I thought had to pertain to souls on the other side or something, but I had no idea. And I drove, I was just able to drive Saul's car. And I'm telling you everyone this for a reason. My car was completely totaled in the accident. So I was driving Saul's car and it said Saul Z on the license plate because Saul used to sell condos to kids in Hoboken, New Jersey, and they called them Uncle Saul Z. So he has Saul Z. <laughs> Carolyn's smiling because she knows the personality. He had Saul Z on his license plate. So I took the Saul Z car and I drove like five towns away and I got out of my car and I left it in my dry cleaner's driveway and my dry cleaner and I climbed into the back seat with my dry cleaner and his wife. We drove about 40 minutes from his home, the, 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 the hotel where this man was John Edward, who is so famous today. He was just starting out oh, wow. at the hotel where uh, he was, it, it was five towns away. And I drove and I had no idea what to expect. And I walk in and he greets my dry cleaner and his wife. And he looks at me and he says, I don't even want to know your name. I don't want to know anything about you. Just go upstairs. I'll be there in a little while. Well, I'm a nervous wreck. I'm just like, I'm, I'm, just like I'm, I'm getting ready for a date or something. I have no idea. And I see these other people in the room with me. And there were about 35 of us. And I found out later that some of them, they call sitters. They had lost deceased loved ones. And they had, in those days before voice recorders and all, they also had brought people to take notes for them as messages came through. I had no idea what this was all about, but I was sitting there with all these people. All of a sudden, John Edward gets to the front of the room and he starts channeling or he starts communicating with people's deceased loved ones. And it was like Saul waited for me to get the idea. 
I mean, I witnessed about five different readings and I mean, they were, I'm getting a message from someone who shot himself in the head with the pistol. Oh my God, that's my father. Someone's telling me that she saw uh, you hanging three pictures for Christmas. Yes, that's my mother, blah, blah, blah. And I'm listening to these amazing messages. And all of a sudden I hear, I'm getting a soul on the other side and he's talking about Dr. Pepper. Does anyone relate to Dr. Pepper? I know. <laughs> Oh, my God. I said to my dry cleaner, his name was Joel. I said, Joel, start writing. Because, <laughs> because 15 years before he met me, Saul's brother, your ex-husband, put Saul's name in a Dr. Pepper commercial because he was a big he was he was quite well known in the advertising business and that was his account and of all people in the world the ad said dr pepper is coming east from california let's talk to the man in the street saul weinberg what he thinks of dr pepper <laughs> <laughs> and saul used to think this was hilarious not joe joe smith or john doe <laughs> he put his brother's name so for for john edward to be standing in front of that room and say Dr. Pepper, when this wasn't even a part of my life with Saul, this happened 15 years before I married Saul. That was like, there was like no doubt. Then he started, I mean, it was for 35 minutes with undeniable proof of survival. It was amazing. He's telling me he died in a different state than where you lived. He died in New York. We live in New Jersey. He's saying that he liked to tell a lot of jokes with accents. Well, you remember that, Carolyn. He always oh. used to tell jokes. He's telling me he wore a lot of hats. He was going bald. He always wore baseball caps. Um, and he's telling me you're wearing his ski. He says you're wearing his skier charm under your blouse. That was true. There was a wow. message about each of the kids. And then the kicker. He's telling me you're driving his car with Saul Z on the license plate. How the heck oh, would John my. Edward know anything about Saul Z? And that car was parked five towns away. So now I have 35 minutes of these amazing messages, which my dry cleaner has been busy writing down and scrambling down for me. Who can I tell about <laughs> what happened to me? There are only two people. I called my mother and I called you. <laughs> <laughs> So, so let me ask you, Irene, when here's someone that was like, this is like out of your radar of knowing that this could happen. And then you just got a download, for, you know, he just like channeled right through what, what were you experiencing during that time? What was, was happening crying to you? my eyes out? I was crying. I was laughing. I was smiling. I was amazed. I was, you name it. The emotion was there. And then at one point, John Edwards stopped and he said, how long has this guy been on the other side? And I said, now all of a sudden, I that was a new phrase for me, other side. Okay. I said, um, I two months. And he said, this is an old soul. This is a very evolved guy. I can tell by the way he's coming through to me. He's been around the block a lot. Hmm. So I was like, oh, oh, really? We come back. Oh, so this is like my whole introduction to starting right. this, to to getting into this world. I had no idea. And you got a message also. When I called you, you said that two weeks after Saul died, you got a message, right? I was in training at that time. You know, I was actually studying, you know, energy work, right? And, um, and 
Saul came through. I, cause I, it was actually, I felt the energy of Saul. Right. And, and, uh, I was, I remember I was getting dressed at the time. So I was like, get out of my room. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, can a ghost see you get dressed? <laughs> but, um, but he, he mentioned another woman, right? And it ended up being his daughter, right? right, right. In your life and the relationship between you and the daughter, right? And I, and I brought some information back to you around that. And also something that you found in your... Yeah, there were business. It, you say he said to you, uh, he he told you got the message. She's inherited four. Boy, I was going crazy with this business. These business problems. He said she's inherited four business deals, and three will work out, and one won't. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, interesting. Wow. So this totally flipped your life. Flipped right? my lid. Flipped my. I mean, now of course I want more. I, I've, I've heard from you, ah, and I yeah. want more. Hey, what else has he got to tell me? And I, on the earthbound plane, I am missing him like crazy. And now I'm really going into the grief and all of that. So I start going to various mediums and healers and all these different people. And um, actually, it was kind of a good thing because it kept me busy, kept me occupied, and not focused as much as on, on my grief because I was so upset. And the thing that knocked me out was that in any way he could, he let me know that it was him. Through one, he told me the first meal I ever made him. Through another, he told me the outfit he was wearing the night he died. Through another one, he described his private parts. Through another one, he described um, the even the shoes he was wearing the night he died. He had a pair of blue and green shoes. You know, Saul, he was a, he was a, he fashion. Yes. He had a pair of, and, and, the, and the woman actually said to me, I'm seeing a pair of warm blue and green moccasins with, with, um, and they seem to be his favorite pair. I was like, yeah. And he's saying he wore them the night he died. Yeah. Holy moly. So wow. he's coming through with all these, um, this information and there's something else they're telling me that is knocking me out. They're, each one of them says, and he's saying there's a divine plan that if certain things didn't work out for him while you were together on the planet, that he was going to work with you across the veil and you were going to help a lot of people together. And he was asking you to write a book. And I'm yeah. like, what? What book? I was a buyer from Macy's. I was a violinist. I helped him in his real estate business. What kind of book is this? But when the fifth person that you go to tells you the same message that you're supposed to write a book and it's your husband and you would do anything for him. And now, you know, he's on the other side. You start to say, well, all right, let me take a stab at this. So I start to inquire, um, you know, ask questions of people and then I said to you, do you know of anyone who could get me information? Because I am um, being told I'm supposed to write a book. And you called me and you had been at this wise man bookstore. In New Jersey, in yes. New Jersey, <laughs> and a flyer fell out of it with the name of a psychologist who did automatic writing. Did I know what automatic writing was? I had no idea. But you said to me, you know, maybe this is a place that you could start. I mean, I don't, don't know what I would have done without you, Carolyn, because like I was lost with all this stuff going on. You were like kind of like filling in the blanks for me. Yeah. Well, you, you, well, first of all, you were you were open. 
right? Because of, first of all, you are an open person and then have this profound, um, profound life-changing incident and voice like through. So I felt, I just felt like a guide at the time, you know, just, um, really watching you and just seeing you were having so many things that were happening given being given to you that I just it was just really guiding you on on that journey and you ended up writing a book I ended up doing it so well first of all I started working with this woman that with the flyer and she was wonderful and she did this automatic writing and I would ask a question and she would kind of tilt her head and she could hear and she would write down what Saul was saying to her. And then now, of course, I'm starting to read all these other spiritual books and I'm reading and I'm learning that people have past lives and I'm learning all kinds of information. So one day I said to her, I don't know what I'm supposed to put in this book, but I'm asking him questions. I said, I wonder if we've had past lives. Can you get that information for me? And she said, I don't do past lives. So now I go back to the source again and I go, Carolyn, do you know anybody who does past lives? And you said, I know a healer in Massachusetts who channels from the other side. And you recommended this woman. And I called her up and immediately she said to me, your husband is right here. And he's saying that you ought to come to work with me. Now, anybody else would have said, what is she out of her mind? She's just out of this car accident. She's just healing. She's going to get in, go to Massachusetts to this funky woman's healing cabin because why? Because people are telling her she's supposed to write a book and she's supposed to get information. But it was if it, but I knew it was Saul. I knew it was Saul. He was coming through in any way that he could. And he even described his toes to me through someone. I mean, he was coming through. I knew it was Saul. And if I was supposed to help him, okay. So I found my way to Massachusetts and I get out into the sheep field she had a healing cabin in a sheep field well to say the least with my schman- my fancy schmancy New Jersey <laughs> <laughs> and now you're in a sheep field like how did I end up here <laughs> and, I, and I talk about that in the book it was quite an experience and she welcomes me into the healing cabin and she tells me that and I can't see them, but she tells me that as soon as I came in, there was like a stadium of angelic beings, like all around us. And that they were telling her that she's supposed to help me write a book. Once again, it was uh. the same validation. And she said um, she had turned down other offers to write books because of her channeling abilities, but she was being told that I had tremendous integrity and that she should work with me. Okay, that night after that experience, I cried my eyes out to say the least, but mm. here we started. And I started working with her and I and um, started asking her questions and it was amazing, Carolyn. She would sit at her laptop and I, and I would ask a question and her fingers would start to fly across the keyboard of the laptop with whatever the answer was. I asked about past lives. I asked what it was like for him to cross over. I asked what they mm. do about evil, evil in heaven. I mean, I asked him all these questions and I was getting answers. But I was still a little bit like as she, I mean, Carolyn recommended her. She's getting all it, this it, It's all so weird, right? It's also you know, weird. Right. I agree. And I, I, think those things too (laughs) (laughs) so weird but the thing that sold me as the book began to unfold 
one day she said to me, I'm getting a message that one of your first lifetimes together, Saul was a rabbi in ancient Israel, and you were this little boy in his class that was called a yeshiva. And you, um, she was Methodist. She had never heard a word of Hebrew in her life. And she said, and I am asking what his name was and what your name was in that lifetime. And I'm getting a really weird, weird name, and I don't understand what it is. But he keeps saying that you were this really good little boy in his classroom. And he says, Yelid Tov, Yelid Tov. And I never heard a word like Yelid Tov. And I was like, oh, my God. Yelid Tov is Hebrew for a good little boy. Uh-huh. So that's how I knew that this was real. Because he was saying he called me the Yelid Tov in that mm. lifetime and that lifetime was an amazing lifetime and it began our journey which i talk about in the book of other lifetimes that we had together and i tell in the book how i decided i'd be the the female counterpart of the two of us in most of our lifetimes and all of that it's fascinating and say really the name of the book just in case some listeners yeah, right may, yeah okay well this is the other fun part of it it's called they serve bagels in heaven <laughs> <laughs> and I tell and I tell people if you want to find out if it comes with locks and cream cheese, you can look at <laughs> But there's a whole scene in the book because um saw so when when we cross over, I learned we are acclimated to what made us comfortable and what we were familiar with on this side of the veil. Mm. So there is there is a scene where Saul's mother meets him and they have coffee and bagels in heaven. I mean, it's really amazing before he begins. That's to good to know. I just love bagels. Okay. <laughs> and I plan on going to heaven. <laughs> so. well, I, personally, I've placed my order for champagne. So <laughs> I'll I join you. With that. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the end part of the book, which uh, the subtitle I, title I want to tell people is they serve bagels in heaven. One couple's couple story of love, eternity, and the cosmic importance of everyday life, because I've learned oh. about the cosmic importance of everyday life. Yes, yeah, say, say, more to that, Irene. Yeah. What does that mean to you, the cosmic importance of everyday life? Because everything we do has a consequence. Everything we mm. do has karma. We get a life review when we cross over. Where there are reasons that certain people are in our lives. And it's all about how we choose to deal with things. And really, when you cross over, they don't want to know how much money you made. And if you're a billionaire, they want to know how loving and kind you were and how you treated people and how you treated yourself. Mm, so there's a lot of big like, lesson that yeah, is loads, yeah. loads, loads. And I talk a lot about that in the book also. So that's how my story started. And then I was out there, Carolyn, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing little presentations. I'm uh, the book is selling beautifully i have about 72 five-star reviews on amazon and everything nice and i'm doing my my thing and all of a sudden one day i'm sitting at my desk and the word podcast comes into my head and i said to my publicist what's a podcast because now i believe the messages i had gotten those Uh uh-huh so i said to her what is that i just heard the word podcast she goes oh I can help you do that. And I thought, well, is this the next part of my divine plan? Uh, I just got that message. And then I thought to myself, well, if I was going to do a podcast, 
what would I do it about? And I thought about the fact that I had been so hobbled by grief, other than the fact that I had my, the messages, but I was so hobbled by the grief and all. So what did I do to help myself heal? Knowing that I had said, I'm going to get through this. I said, I, I worked with a life transition coach who was wonderful. And I also worked with a spiritual healer now that I had opened up to the energetic ways that people can also heal. And the two of them helped me so much to move through this awful period of my life to where was I going to go next? I mean, I remember my life transition coach saying to me, we have to figure out who you're going to be without Saul. And I remember screaming and crying. <clears throat> I don't want to be anyone without Saul. She's well, this is your choice. Are you going to move on? Are you going to create a new life for yourself? Are you going to sit and long for what you can no longer have anymore? So I started working with her. And I also started working with this wonderful spiritual healer. And I decided I was going to interview grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and people who have inspiring stories to tell because I learned how important it is that you can rebirth yourself. You can create a new life for yourself, even though you don't want to, but you can do it. And it has tremendous, tremendous positive ramifications for your life and for the people in your life all around you, which is another part of my story. But so, so grief and rebirth was the birth of grief and rebirth was about that, right? That's Absolutely. the whole point, how grief, right? Boy, the people that are grieving right now, I mean, we're in the middle of COVID oh and all God, so yes. many things that are happening that if we just stay awake and aware and in Embrace what's happening. I know that's really hard to open our eyes of wisdom. That's actually words from uh, a spiritual teacher of mine, Kyoshisama. Um, but opening the your eyes of wisdom, which is what happened here for you. Exactly. Right? Well, exactly. And the other thing is that what I decided to do, I've made Grief and Rebirth, all the people we interview, I've made it into a healing community so that anyone listening to this podcast can go to my website. You're looking for a medium? Listen to what they have to say. It is not a Yelp review. You listen to the interview. You decide if this person's right for you. You need healing of some kind? They're on that website. Go listen to them. What's the website? The website is irewineberg.com. Okay. And then you can go right on there. And of course, the podcast is all over social media and the podcast yes. is on YouTube and all that. But uh, but you can also get the podcast through my website, irenweinberg.com. But I've really made it a healing community. So as I interview people, you want to read good books that are going to help you with your spiritual journey or give you clues into what it's like and all. Most of, many of these people are authors. I have their books on the site and all of that. It's all about helping people not to suffer and to move. Through. And I know how hard it is. Believe me, do I know how hard it is? But I know how beautiful it is when you get to the other side mm. of it. Mm. You, that, that's beautifully said. Uh, wow, what a journey. And I hope uh, 
this, I know this is inspiring your listeners because if you're suffering right now, that there is light, there is light at the end of the tunnel and just to trust your intuition, trust what's being received, trust that you're on the right path, get the help you need, check out the podcast, listen, listen. you know, drench yourself in that and you will be led, you'll be you led. Will. So Irene, the book... Then the podcast. I mean, what's next? A movie? Well, funny thing you say that, Carolyn, because since I wrote the book, I've been getting approached by people that they see the potential to turn. They serve Vegas <laughs> into a movie or a, movie, a TV miniseries or something. Totally. I could see right? that. And I just was approached by someone and the terms weren't quite right, but I'm open and I, this may be, especially when people hear the story, this may be the next step. Hey, film directors, producers out there that are listening, if this, the time is right, <laughs> the time all. is right for this story, for the, sure. Spirituality is very um, of interest these days. It's got a lot of humor. It's got a lot of pathos. It's got a lot of drama. It's got the whole thing. And it even has good sex in it. What more would they <laughs> There, I go see the movie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm putting that out there for all of you who are listening today. You may even see this, my story as a movie one day. Here's two, here's two possibilities. And what a rebirth that would be. <laughs> then i write the second book about my miracle about my wondrous rebirth and miracle yeah so irene i want to as we conclude this journey together i'm so wonderful that we got it down for people to hear i want to ask you some final questions that i know you ask your guests true right um and the first is what would you like to tell your fans about the importance of healing in a person's life. Okay, so this is my big thing because I ask it all the time because I want my listeners to know you can heal and it is worth it is worth the effort to heal and not stay attached to your stories. I guess I would have to say my um, spark of inspiration for that is my son. Because when they pulled me out of the car and I had that other thought that I will get through this somehow mm -hmm. because I have to teach my son, Matt is his name. I have to teach him that you can get hit by a grenade in life and still keep going. That was like my primary thought. About three or four years after the accident, when I was starting, I was healing, I was working with the life transition coach, I was working with the energy healer. I was starting to peek out and create a new life for myself. My son one day said to me, you know, mom, there has been nothing worse in my life than watching you in complete despair. And there has been nothing better than seeing you being able to have joy again. Mm. This is what I wish for every single person who tunes into grief and rebirth. I mean, yeah. Wow. Like, wow. Oh wow. my God, I went through all this. And I what a, my... what, to him to witness that too. What a lesson for him and his children and, his and your children. grandkids. And passing it forward always because he will always know to persevere. Yeah. And, and that you can get through and not to be ashamed to get help. 
Mm-hmm. Not to be ashamed. In fact, I think the most courageous people in the world are the ones who go for help. Yeah. I, it takes a lot of courage to get help, right? You know, so you're right. <laughs> it takes courage <laughs> to do this work. So the second question, what role does awareness of the bigger picture play when it comes to healing? Okay, so this applies to all of our, all the people in um, my audience, the grief and rebirth audience who are listening um, to this because you're being led to this so that you can listen to these interviews and make your choices about what you're going to do. And I, I, and I want to tell you this story. After I went, started channeling, I, after I started working with this woman and channeling the book, I also got involved with a, a medium and I was traveling with her and I sort of being her business manager, I got more and more into this world and was learning about it. And one day we went to Vermont and we walked into a hotel room. I knew no one there. Someone had arranged this for us. And as we walked into the hotel room, there were 30 people in the room. And in the very first row, there was a young girl in her, she must have been 23 or 24 years old, sobbing, screaming, sobbing, crying, hysterical in the front row. And as we walked in, the medium I was working with immediately said, I'm getting a man as she walked to the front of the room, there's a man and she looked at this young man. She says, he's telling me he's your father. And he's telling me that the two of you had a horrible, vicious fight the night before he unexpectedly died. And you said things to each other that you will could never might never forgive each other for. And he's coming through to tell you how sorry he is and that he forgives you also. I cannot even begin mm-hmm. to tell you the change in this girl from the hysterical, screaming, crying person to the smile and, and the joy and the relief when she walked out of the room that night. And the thing that got to me was, oh, my gosh, everything we do, it travels to the other side. Okay. It travels to the other side. So you're going to have to experience that be accountable for it be aware of it what choices are you making are you going to stay stuck or do you want to evolve and move forward this man relieved a lot from his soul burden by apologizing to her and did that for her too Mm. so healing could happen even though someone passes absolutely and you can have it on both sides of the fence right You, you can have healing yeah that's that's remarkable. And I hope everyone's listening at that. I, Maybe I, there's I, someone you need to be reaching out to, some uh, listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had I had a very tough dad, and I never look for him to come through. And uh, but of course, I'm always looking for soul to come through if someone happens something. Well, a few times healers have said to me, uh, mediums have said to me, "Your father's here," and I will say, "Dad, what do you want?" And he always comes through to say, "I'm hanging around you. I'm learning a lot." I'm healing and I'm so sorry. Mm. So yes, as we heal, they're around us and they are also healing on the other side. That is another wonderful reason to pay attention to the bigger picture and to be conscious about what you say, how you treat people, how you choose to respond to things. Right. Beautifully said. Last words, last inspirations before we conclude this um, 
journey we took on today. Oh, this has been great. Well, as a person who has experienced a healing, transformative rebirth of my own, I now know that the darkest night can lead to the most profound dawn in a person's life. By choosing to allow myself to heal, the grief and intense suffering I experienced has led to a rebirth and a life filled with meaning and joy and happiness and wonder. And this is quite a new adventure. I mean, quite amazing that I would have never, ever been open to at one time. And it's, got, it's brought me so many rewards because through the book and the podcast, I now find myself being a role model to others that they too can rebirth their lives and move on. And for this, Carolyn, I am so grateful. It is such a blessing. So no wonder people say, wow, you've got the greatest attitude. or Wow, you, you're so different than so many people. I live my life in gratitude. Wow, beautifully said. Gratitude, right? You know, I, I really, and I started getting um, emails from people saying, please keep going with this podcast. It is keeping me going. I'm learning so much from it. Mm. Every time I get that, I go, what a blessing. What a blessing. I'm so, I, I'm so grateful. And all of this came. And from, I'm grateful for you. Thank you. <laughs> and the feeling is mutual. And this all came from a message. Soul has to go. Many lessons will be learned from his death. Do you think that was true? I would say. So true. And be loving and kind to everyone. Everyone, yes, yes. Lessons to live by, for sure. For sure. So let me just say before we go, everyone, if you want the book, you can get it on Amazon. They serve bagels in heaven. One couple's story of love, eternity, and the cosmic importance of everyday life. The podcast, we're all over social media. You can go to IreneWeinberg.com. Uh, drop me a line. Say hello. I love hearing from you. And Carolyn, tell them one more time about your website so they can get a hold of you if they want to do their to work with you. Sure. Mind of a Markets uh, is my company. Um, we help we help game changers and change makers uh, get their message right so that they can have the impact that they want in the world. Um, I am launching a podcast too. Thanks for the inspiration you've given me called uh, Sustainability Superstars. And I'll be interviewing those leaders out there that are changing the world one bagel at a time <laughs> whatever else they're making <laughs> so but they're they're the leaders in sustainability and mission-driven businesses and it's to help others that are that are doing the same to give them inspiration and know that they can do it too and they're so not I'll alone they're in this so watch out for that uh so you can if you go to uh, mindofamarkets.com um uh, you'll see uh, you can sign up to get access to that as we start promoting it. So that's great. Mind yeah. over markets. That's great. Carolyn, what can I say? Loving thanks to you. Oh, Our right back goal. at you, Irene. Oh my God. This was great for teaming with me to share this story. To yes. All my cherished grief and rebirth podcast listeners. And 
What else? I, I just want to tell your listeners to reach out to Irene. You know, uh, if this moved you in any way or you got inspired or maybe something arose for you that you had some clarity, let her know. I, that would be, we'd love to, I think she would love to share some of that um, in her conversations and her writings, but uh, reach out because I think this is like a beginning of something yeah. even more budding for you. Who knows? Um, I mean, like, it's just, I keep going, I keep the faith one step in front of the other you know yes there it is so as i like to say to you and to all of our listeners to be continued many blessings and bye for now with much love Mm -hmm.